0: Welcome back. I do hope you're all doing fantastically well. It's so great to have you with us again for what I hope is going to be a really quite uplifting and entertaining episode of Extraordinary People, The Pride of Britain. The podcast brought to you from all of us on the Pride of Britain team and our friends at TSB. Now this week, we're talking to some of my favorite people. We've called this episode Young Guns because it's all about the wider Pride of Britain family and some of the brilliant young winners and presenters we're proud to call our friends. I, and I'm sure you are too, are always blown away by the courage and the determination and the unshakable positivity of our child winners and their guests. Despite facing some really difficult challenges, they never, ever fail to lift us all up with their compassion and their kindness, and in some cases, their jokes. Now, there will definitely be a few laughs later when I will be joined by our fundraising friends, Hughie Higginson and Freddie Zavey. After raising £220,000 for the hospital where Huey is still being treated for leukaemia, the dynamic duo have launched themselves into another crazy project. But first, I'm meeting up with a Pride of Britain stalwart, TV presenter, Ben Shepherd. You might know him from Good Morning Britain, or perhaps Tipping Point, or perhaps one of the many thousands of other television shows that he presents at the moment. Well, I caught up with Ben to hear more about what Pride of Britain and our winners mean to him. So, Ben, how many Pride of Britons have you been to now?
1: I've got a picture from one of the judging days that we did at County Hall. Mark Austin was there, and I think uh, one of the Spice Girls, which is always very exciting whenever I sit with any of the Spice Girls, I think <laughs> Bunsen was with us. Um, and so there was. that's a long, long time ago that I, I still cherish to this day, sort of being able to be a part of it, and more of a part of it now, because sort of we're involved with the, with the judging, and it's such an extraordinary experience.
0: You know what, it's really wonderful, because you've been a judge for, like, many years, and I think... After me, you must be the presenter who's been on the second most often across all the years of Pride of Britain. Do you think so? It's not just another job, is it? I mean, it it lifts me. It really lifts me. Endlessly lifts me. So what does being involved in Pride of Britain, what does it mean to you?
1: There is, you know, particularly doing what we do with The Breakfast Show, you can get very consumed with what's going on in the world, news-wise, geopolitics, Business, whatever it might be. And it can be quite stark and it can be quite bleak and it can be quite relentless. And I think the thing that Pride of Britain has always given me is the reassurance that we have extraordinary people in this country that put the great into Great Britain. And it's very easy to get distracted by the awful headlines, what's going on in the world of politics, what's going on in Ukraine, wherever it might be, whether it's the pandemic that we've just been through. And in amongst all that, the trauma and turmoil that is day-to-day lives that can be consumed by the magic of Pride of Britain is just reminding us that there are extraordinary people out there doing incredible things for no reason other than they just want to support their community. You know, these young fundraisers, I think, are just... Absolute testament to to resilience and human spirit and goodness and and as you say, yeah, it doesn't just it doesn't just lift me, but it just reassures me. It reassures me that 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 of the human spirit that there are great people out there and it renews your faith in human nature as well. You know, when you read a lot of bad headlines and, and we're doing the job that we do, which is which is brilliant, and I love my job, but that can be quite consuming. So the highlight of the year, always in terms of the the other stuff that I do, it's coming to the moment when I get my my pack of all the nominees, and I I'm going to stick through for an afternoon and go through that very carefully. Right, we're all going to get together. Just yeah. trying to piece together whatever it might be, whether it's you know lifetime achievement or child of courage or
2: yeah.
1: you, know, you know the the sort of the the services award or you know I I I, I I can't we can't we can't we can never really put into words how special it is for us to be a part of it It it's a privilege it's an absolute privilege it's as simple as that and as much as the cliche that night sound the thing that we all really what I particularly enjoy I think we all do is on nights like that it's just not about us it's about these extraordinary people that have about going about their everyday lives and making a huge difference um for no reason other than they just want to
0: oh thank you for that Ben our whole theme for the night, as you know, is to is to make it as much of a celebration as possible and that all of our fantastic winners have as good a time as they possibly can and you know, and that they really understand just how highly they're regarded. Now the young fundraiser of the year, that's an incredibly special one. Just talk us through some of the amazing winners we've had then.
1: Well, I mean the, the interesting thing is this sort of that award and us being involved in that award has really um, holds a really dear place in my heart because I'm a dad now my two boys are uh, Sam's nearly 17 I can't believe he's nearly ah!
2: 17
1: and Jack's 15 um, and, and they have grown up during this period where I've been hosting the awards uh, with GMB and we've been honouring these young fundraisers and sort of going back to Edward Mills who, who climbed The Old Man of Hoy. Yeah, the youngest person ever to climb that at some ridiculous age. And I got a message from his dad a few months ago just saying hi and and, and staying in touch. And Lovely George with us, running with George, George, who yes. was incredible. And I ran with George and I got Cami and Rochelle uh, to run with George and, and I stayed very much in touch.
0: So earlier this year... I went down to see Max Woosey, who, as we know, calls himself the boy in the tent. And he was celebrating his second anniversary, he slept out in a tent every night for two years. Can you believe that?
1: I mean, for heaven's sake, for at some years. point, bless him, he's going to remember what a bed feels like and go, yeah. What on earth am doing? So-,
0: this so it was March in North Devon, and Huey and Freddie were there, who we know and love, and Harmony Rose. Steve Wharton, who won the Emergency Services Award, and we're in this freezing field. And it was wonderful. They've all, you know, what's really lovely is that they've all become genuinely, really close friends. So now, Shiri and Freddie are doing another challenge, one that I know you particularly like.
1: Yeah, their plan is to run around every stadium in the Football League, and yeah. I think the Premier League as well. They want to, and they're yeah. trying to get people. So the plan is, and I've not spoken to them about the london stadium but i was there yesterday um hosting a presentation because our our club captain mark noble played his last home game and it's such a glorious what this? this is uh, this is west Ham. carol come on <laughs> come on carol. and of course huey and uh, freddie are burnley fans so it's uh, Clara and blue we share the same colors i was about to say yeah So we're bonded over Clara and blue but um I was there yesterday just thinking about this and thinking about us chatting because I know that what they, they're trying to run around every single stadium to raise money and yeah. you know, just gather a little bit of, sort of momentum and enthusiasm. And undoubtedly, they'll do it because they're, just, they're such little charmers. They're, you know, they're just great. As you say, I think there must have been something really special as well. One of the reasons that they all stay in touch because that night is quite overwhelming in so many ways. Firstly, it's very long. So there's a lot of awards, and it can be, you know, some of them are quite young at the time, and some of those awards are really, really difficult emotional awards to go through for everybody to hear. And as you rightly point, and this is such, it's such an important point you make, Howard, that it's a celebration. You know, it's a celebration of what it is that they've managed to achieve, the difficulties that they've all been through, their courage, uh, and their and their sort of endless, sort of unfathomable enthusiasm for life yeah. that you know, that, that is so infectious. So they they sort of bond over that experience, I think, is, you know, because they, they've all sat there sort of a bit like a rabbit in the headlights surrounded by royalty or politicians or TV stars who all want to say hello to them. It's yeah. not them sort of saying hello to the stars, it's the stars saying hello to them. And that, I can imagine, is, is quite a surreal experience for them.
0: Well, we both know that a lot of our winners find it really uplifting because they have been or still are going through trauma for example Huey is still having treatment and he will be for quite some time but these winners they're really something else aren't they just incredible
1: and I think the other thing that's really easy for us to forget which is one of the reasons I'm always keen to stay in touch with with whoever it is I meet on the night but particularly the ones that we've sort of bonded over which is the last few years has been the, the young fundraiser is that it, you sometimes can forget that, you know, the night finishes for us and for them, but the battle keeps going for them. Mm-hmm. And we all go home at the end of the night having had this amazing celebration. Yeah. But as you say, the treatment, depending on what they're going through, whether it's Harmony Rose, what she's going through, and Anna Chadwick, what she's going through, you know, that carries on. That doesn't stop. So, you know, if we can give them sort of a, a moment of celebration of what they've been through, what they're going through, and hopefully sort of some some understanding of how valued they are in the wider community then that can buoy them through the next part of the treatment which you know that is relentless it's just it's really really brutal you know for huey he should be out there just sort of living his best life and having a fantastic time and and, and he will undoubtedly be doing that and the whole time the backdrop to what he and he's going through is the stark reality of his health which, you know, touch wood, he'll be great and he'll keep battling and he'll be yeah. fantastic. But that, can't forget that. And that's one of the reasons I think staying, for me, staying in touch with them and knowing that, that, you know, that was an amazing night, but my support for you and what you're doing will carry on as, as long as you're willing to listen to me. Yeah.
0: We call it the Pride of Britain family, Ben. And we know that some of our winners get, you know, very lonely. They have a tough time. And this family has over the years become a real source of support so how important is family generally to you it's
1: the reason I get up in the morning it's the reason I carry on going to work it's the reason I can deal with sort of not having much sleep um, and working really hard and being away from home I'm down in Bristol I'm just around the corner from you but being down in Bristol not being with my family the my family are the reason I'm doing this because, yes, I love my job and I really, really enjoy it, but I'm doing it so I can support them and I can help them and I can give my kids the best opportunities that they can have. And I can, you know, it's, it's the number one driver in everything that I do now is being a dad and having a family. And that family has extended. I mean, it's really interesting, and I love the way you describe it, the Pride of Britain family just—it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the tentacles of that just expand so wide now. Um, and and you can't underestimate what a value there is knowing that there's someone you could speak to if you need to. Knowing there's someone who can pick you up if you need picking up. Knowing there's someone that can support you if you're
0: desperately in need of support. Yeah, I found I have found that particularly as you get older, family becomes even more important. Yeah,
1: undoubtedly. I think the other thing as well, Carol, that happens is that as you get a little bit older, so you start. Understanding your mortality a bit clearer. Um, that's the sad fact of life, isn't it, that, that everyone's getting older. So, you know, my parents are certainly considerably older than than they were 15, 20 years ago. And, and that suddenly starts becoming more apparent. My boys now are taller than me. Although don't tell Jack I admitted that.
2: <laughs>
1: we're still fighting over who's the tallest. They're both <laughs> taller and bigger than me. And I can see them about to sort of flourish and go off into life a bit more independent from me and Annie um, and my godchildren and my nieces. I, I kind of, you know, undoubtedly, you sort of understand the intrinsic value of having people around you that love and support you and are looking out for you. They are going to allow you to go and make some mistakes, but they're going to be there to pick you up when they do. They're going to allow you to go and have some successes and be there with you to celebrate when they do as well and I do think that that's as we get older I totally agree that I can see the value of family and I see what my parents were trying to teach me all those years ago that I used to rile against as a teenager I can understand that all they were trying to do was the best they possibly could and they might have made some mistakes along the way but if I can be half as good as what they were then I'd like to think the boys won't be doing too badly um, and, and I don't think you can ever put a price on it so yeah, it's, it's, it's such an important part of who I am is my family.
0: Well, sir, it is wonderful, as ever, to talk to you. Um, you can go and sort out your tipping point machine now. What, what's it called again, that tipping point machine? It's, it's, it's actually got
1: a name. I've never, I've never told anyone the name. It was, it was it was christened by the lovely Lynn Sutcliffe, who was one of the original team, I don't know if you know Lynn, um, who devised the format. And it does have a name. The machine's a Penny Falls machine, really, isn't it? They're the ones that that you'd have yeah. at the end of the period.
0: Well, Mr. Ben Shepherd, I'll see you soon. And thank you so, so much from all of us here. Lots of love.
1: Always lovely to talk Pride of Britain. I could talk about it all day. And um, I'm really, really proud. Well look, they've knocked on the door now.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm really, really proud to be a
0: part of it. It's always lovely chatting to Ben and hearing how much our Pride of Britain family means to other people, including all of us, the presenters.
4: At TSB, we're proud to partner with the Pride of Britain Awards. Because we want to say thank you to all the everyday heroes. To the ones who put the fun in fundraising, or those who speak up for others. To the good-natured few who plant seeds to feed communities. And to the warm-hearted people who always have the kettle ready. TSB partners the Pride of Britain Awards, thanking those who help others. Because that's life made more.
0: Well, now it's time to meet two really special young men. If you've encountered these two before, well, then you know you're in for a treat. (laughs) And if you haven't come across Hughie Higginson and Freddie Xavier yet, well, all I can say is get ready to be inspired and to have a laugh. These two are best pals and they are so much more than that too. They live in Burnley in Lancashire and have been there to support each other through some really tough times. When Huey, then 10 years of age, was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukaemia in 2020, his mate Freddie was with him every step of the way. Huey wanted to raise money for the unit where he still receives treatment and care, so he signed up for the hospital's charity walk. But when he was too poorly to take part, his pal Freddie stepped up in his place. Then he came up with a new challenge, walking two kilometres a day for 50 days. And right at the very end, the pair finished it together. And by doing that, they raised a staggering £220,000 and were named our Pride of Britain Young Fundraisers of the Year in 2021. Now they're at it again. Huey is still in treatment, but nothing stops these two. And they've been raising even more money with their latest venture. I caught up with them to find out more and, quite honestly, to try and get a word in Edgeways. So the last time yeah. I saw you was in a very dark field on a very dark, cold night in North Devon with Max, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, that was uh, mid- at march so, yeah, so it's been a
0: while. So I'm going to do this chat a little bit backwards because... I want to know about the charity um, fundraising that you're doing now. Because when you came to North Devon, you'd just been to Exeter Football Club. And so yeah. tell us what you were doing there, why you were doing it, and how all this go- is going.
2: Uh, we were running around because we have a new uh, fundraising challenge where we run around. Or the football games in the
0: English football league. And how many of those? There is
2: 92 in the football league
0: and we're going to do some extras to top it up to here. So 92. I mean, if I'm working that out, so one a week, that's two years, is it more or less, it's going to take you?
3: Um, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so.
0: And what was the target amount of money that you were going to raise by doing this?
3: So for each club we, well for each hospital we're trying to raise a thousand pounds because that's um around how much slush, slush pouches cost um yeah, a for yeah for a, I think it's for a year and um, so it's a thousand pounds and we're hitting about a thousand
2: pounds every club.
0: Well, we just had a little um, look on your just giving page and I think it's a hundred and eighty-two thousand pounds at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think we've
3: raised about twenty thousand so far in this new challenge. It's which
2: just, is just
3: it's, crazy. It, it is amazing.
0: Yeah. And let's go back to the very beginning, shall we? So we're going back two years and mm. um that was when you, Huey because you two have been best yeah. mates for like years and years and years, haven't you? at your mm-hmm. grand old age now. And uh, and two years ago, would you tell us, Huey, what happened two years ago?
3: Um, so two years ago this September, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, and I, well, obviously I was really upset. I was in hospital for about uh, six weeks um, for that, period um and i came home in around middle of october and Freddie, and um, freddy said to me i
2: want to do this new challenge and
0: you're in royal manchester children's hospital yeah and yeah. with all the chemo and everything you found that your mouth was dry
3: i've i've been i've been quite lucky because i've not really had the side effect that many times One i did well um couple of times but I've seen um the agony that that some children have been in when they've had this side effect and I just wanted to do something so I didn't have to see it again because it isn't it isn't
0: nice so Freddie this is where you came in because obviously Huey wasn't well enough at that time to to initially do all of the challenge were you Huey so what was it that you did Freddie
2: so, I would run apartments quite often, so that gave me the idea of the fundraising challenge. So, between the apartments, two kilometres, and it was around about 50 days until Christmas. So, I thought 100 kilometres would be an amazing challenge. I was only hoping to raise a thousand pounds, but I ran two kilometres a day for 50 days, and I finally won this on Christmas Day morning.
0: So, you set off doing your 2k a day. And then right at the end, Huey, because obviously you were very poorly and you've been in hospital Mm -hmm. for all of those weeks and and still poorly. So tell me what happened on that last day of the 50.
3: Yeah, so it was Christmas morning. It was half past seven, minus five degrees. Freddie's still wearing his shorts. (laughs) Right, this is a true story. Freddie, every day in primary school, yeah. he's not once worn long trousers.
2: No way! And now
3: he's, now he's finishing year six. He had a bet with with your uncle,
2: didn't he? Yeah. And, well, he's going to have to pay out. So, yeah, it was, it was freezing cold.
3: Freddie's still in his shorts. Um, and I managed to do the last probably five, ten metres on his challenge and there was people there obviously social for distance because it was still COVID times yeah but all our family was there and it was
0: really nice oh uh, that was absolutely wonderful and that's obviously when you came to our attention on the Pride of Britain um awards and the Pride of Manchester awards you won mm-hmm. the Pride of Manchester didn't you and then came through to to our final so um mm-hmm. Before we talk about your treatment and everything that's happened since, just um, let's talk about the night. No, before the night, because what we often do is we find out, you know, very sneaky on the Pride of Britain team, we find out who your favourite pop stars are or who you really like on the telly. And, of course, you don't know anything that's going on. You don't know you've won a Pride of Britain or Pride of Manchester or anything award. So, how did you find out?
2: So, um, we went to Media City and went to the Ina Celebrity
3: Challenge. Yeah. And um, we thought we were just doing some filming for the
2: hospital. We're, yeah, we were yes. told that we were just doing filming for the hospital. And towards the end, there was a cardboard cutout of Anton Depp.
3: And there was the throne, there? Yeah, and that we were that sat on the so. throne for pictures. And um, the, the cardboard cutout had fallen over... You thought that I, I thought it would just over. blown over and we'd have to start again. So I was like, oh. <laughs> and <laughs> then the, deck,
0: the real one, the not real the answer, deck, not the cobble crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and on a and on then, a scale of one to ten, how much was shock was that?
3: I'm about eleven. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm I'm gonna go twelve.
0: Because <laughs> we call you two our young Anton Deck, little Anton Deck, you know, you mm-hmm. do know that, don't you?
3: People have come up to us and said, I think you're going to be the next Anton Deck, you two.
0: Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, th- well, we'll see. I think, well, you well, are. thanks, but we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> you never know, do you? You never know. Never know. So, Anton Deck gave you the golden envelope and you knew that you'd won. Mm-hmm. So then tell us about because I think people like to know, you know, all the ins and outs and the, you know the back to fronts of what happens behind the scenes on The Pride mm-hmm. of Britain. So what sneaky thing did we do then?
2: Oh you uh you set
0: up KSI on us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we did so you love we singing sing holiday Friday. holiday yeah. ksi and ksi which i don't know if you know this bit actually has been a judge on the pride of britain so it was his first time so mm-hmm. we in the august time you know a couple of months before the awards we all sit down there's about 20 people all sit around a very very big table and uh you know have a look at this and that and decide, it's very difficult to be perfectly honest, to decide who's won all the Pride of Britain awards. And KSI was there for the first time. So that was when he learned about you two, you see. So that was when all of this idea about surprising you again uh, on stage came about. So they were Ben Shepherd and Susanna said oh and our young fundraisers a and on you came
3: so we came up onto the stage did a little interview with Ben and Susanna didn't we and uh I was I was practicing holiday at home for weeks before yeah and um, because I knew about the singing holiday I didn't know about the KSI bit but um so they told me they told me to sing holiday and I was just I was just singing it you know just Singing, singing away, looking for sun rays. <laughs> and then I looked behind me because you know when you feel like someone's behind you? Yeah, you can feel you? it. You can feel it, can't you? Yeah. So I just I looked around and I saw this bright blue jacket. And then I turned back around and I, I thought, looked around again. There's KSI. <laughs> I was like, that's what that blue jacket is. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, at school, people come up to me and say, oh, you're the you're, uh, person of
0: TikTok who
2: got spoiled by KSI. And I'm like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I think it's wonderful. So let's just talk about school for a little bit because, you know, how – How many weeks have you had off school, Huey? How's it going, all the treatment? Because you've got years of treatment, haven't you, altogether?
2: Yeah,
3: I've still got about two years of treatment left. Yeah. Um, Last week, actually, was my first full week that I've done in school. So, yeah, so I've had at least one day off or I've had to, like, go home sick. So, yeah, last week was my first full week in.
0: And how did that Um, feel then? Was that tiring for you? uh,
3: Yeah, I actually ended up in hospital on the Sunday. I don't know whether that was because of the footballs, because of uh, my fans. We'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) We'll leave it at that, shall we? So I don't know whether my blood was boiling because of the footballs and it was the Sunday night (laughs) where I had to
0: go in. Yeah, it's not good Um, that.
3: No, but they checked my blood over, unfortunately they were okay and I was allowed to go back home. So yeah, that was my first full week and I just think it, I was was proud of myself that I'd done it, but I was still a bit tired.
0: Yeah. How do you feel now, obviously at the very beginning when you were diagnosed and you had to be in hospital all that time,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, but you have to keep going back, don't you? And this is is this what spurs you on, seeing that other children are getting treatment and so on, to raise all the money?
3: Yeah, well, it's never, it's never gonna go away. It's always, it's always gonna be a thing, and uh, hopefully one day there will be a cure for it. But um, at the minute, you just have to treat it slowly, and I see that firsthand every week. Um, and I just want to give back a little bit of something to the doctors, the nurses and also to the kids because they are, every single child on that ward has been through something terrible and you just want to give something to them because they're a
0: little bit. And how do you feel about it, Freddie? Are you allowed now with sort of post-COVID, are you allowed to go on the ward as well now when Hugh is there? No, I'm still not allowed. Still not, no? <laughs>
3: Yeah. No, we, you're allowed like visitors to come in and see, but only close friends and family. Yeah. Um. And I've I've not really been in that much onto the ward. I'm a, I'm in uh day case, the day unit, quite a lot. Right. Um. You, you've been in like yeah. once mm-hmm. when I've had to pick up medicine. Then, yeah. But yeah. um, you've not really seen no. any of have you? Yeah. Not even. Really, really, really.
0: No. So they haven't been able to kind of get you in and thank you then for all of these different machines that you've bought with all the money that you've raised.
3: We've spoken to to one of the doctors on a Zoom
2: call once. Yeah. Um, But I've seen a couple when it came in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Going back to the original 100 kilometres that you walked, ran... Uh, Over the fifty days, and that raised, if my numbers are right, by all means put me right on this, two hundred and twenty thousand pounds. Yes, around
3: about
0: that. What does it feel like, Freddie, to have been able to help that much?
2: Yeah, it's just really cool to see like all the difference that has been made already, like all the children. Obviously, enjoyed the slushies because
3: we would have enjoyed Yeah, and we obviously could not spend all that money on the slushies. um. So we spent uh, a bit of money on a blood machine, which is really important. It why why it does it is it heats up blood really quickly, um, for blood transfusions because if you've ever had a blood transfusion, it has to go in really cold and it has to go in for five hours. I've had about seven, I think. So, um, yeah, it's a fairly long time. you have got to be pleased with my maths, Carol. It's about 48, 48, 28 hours, um, that I've had a blood test. Wow. I've had seven.
0: Wow.
3: Um, so yeah, 28 hours of uh, blood transfusions, not blood tests, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's, this machine heats it up really quickly so you can infuse it fast. And uh, the Manchester bombings a couple of years ago, um, people lost their lives because um, blood transfusions were um, slowly infused. And right. You could infuse it quickly, but then you're risking hypothermia, and it's
0: all leads
3: to another thing. this machine could have helped save lives that night. So by heating
0: just, the blood up before it goes in. By
3: heating the blood up before it goes oh, in, yeah. wow. So we bought one of them for A and E and we just thought it could save lives. And I've actually been told it has been used quite a few times. Oh. Um which I was really happy to hear. And yeah, it was it might only be used a couple of times. But those
0: couple of times could save someone's life. Oh, how wonderful. Because people who need that, obviously, they're only going to use it in critical circumstances, aren't they? Yeah. And that's you with your shorts on, showing your legs, Freddie, doing (laughs) all that. It's hardy. I tell you what, it's not warm at Christmas time, is it, up in Burnley? No. No, it's freezing. It's freezing. Crazy. Crazy. Now you two, we've talking about your shorts, and you dapper Chewy, uh, you are known for your amazing outfits. So where does this sense of style come from? Is it your dad, Chewy? My dad.
3: <laughs> <has> no. <dressing laughs> whatsoever. My brother dresses my dad. <laughs> does he? <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my brother works in a clothes shop. Yeah. Um, and he gets he gets all of his things from there. This is his jacket's from. There. I love it. If anyone, if anyone is Freddie, Freddie's like giving me the overshirt um, vibes, you know, I like it. Yeah. Like Freddie's Freddie's probably giving me my dress sense.
0: So what's happening with school then? You're finishing year six now and going up to secondary, are you this year?
3: Freddy's finishing year six. Yeah.
2: And I started secondary in September.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, um, yeah Freddie's moving up to my school, but we went to different primaries.
0: Are you excited about that?
3: Yeah, I'm excited for Freddie to come. Because every, everybody knows him. Everybody knows him. So, <laughs> they will now. Um, mm-hmm. when, when, when we're there together, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, it's you and
0: Freddie. <laughs> I um, think they will. <laughs> you know the problem yeah. with that, though, Freddie? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Going up to the big school. No shorts. <laughs> well listen you two thank you very much for chatting to us and um, oh, yeah keep us updated yeah, and what mischief you're getting up to yeah, really nice. brilliant and all the best here obviously with your treatment
2: thank you.
0: and all the best with new school and uh, just keep us up to date with what you're up to because it always brings oh, a welcome. smile to our faces too thank
2: you. thank
0: you all right boys thank you very much Those two never fail to make all of us on the team smile. They're brilliant, aren't they? I just love seeing them together. Amazing. Now, somebody else who is pretty amazing is Chris Fleming. Chris risked his own life after being faced with a truly awful situation. I'll hand you over now for this week's version of Your Stories of Pride to our good friend JK to pick
4: up the story. Have you ever wondered how you'd react if you were faced with a sudden life or death situation? Would you freeze? Or would you be able to think fast, respond and offer help? Well, that was the decision that faced heroic gym owner Chris Fleming. It was a bitterly cold day in January last year when Chris set off for his usual walk with his pet dog Arthur near their home in Dundee in Scotland. They were strolling in Crombie County Park when he spotted a teenage girl and three dogs in trouble in the nearby lock. The young woman's two golden retrievers had followed another dog onto the ice and fallen into the water. When she tried to bring them in, the whole group found themselves stranded, unable to get past the ice and back to shore. Chris could see she was struggling to stay afloat in the freezing water. Her sister was standing close by, holding her newborn baby, so unable to help. Chris, who is 41, decided to risk his own life to try and get to the group. He crawled out over the ice and into the part of the lot where they were. Despite suffering ice burns and scratches, he managed to smash the ice around them and encourage the teenager to do the same. With room to get through, he used the last of his strength and determination to pull the dogs and young woman to the shore. As Chris said, I was just thinking I had to crawl on my belly and I went in. I was trying to hold up these two golden retrievers that were kicking my legs and I had my elbow underneath the girl's chin while she was holding her dog up. I realized it wasn't working. The dogs were dragging me down. They were like cement. I suddenly thought, I need to smash the ice. I started smashing the ice in front of me. I don't know where the strength came from. Eventually, we got to the side of the lock. I was just on my hands and knees. Thanks to Chris's bravery and quick thinking, everyone, including the animals, were okay. Wow.
0: Wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say after hearing that. Just amazing. Now, we all know someone who's gone the extra mile to help others or achieve something remarkable against all odds. So if you have an experience you'd like to share about someone you know or something important which has happened to you, get in touch to share your stories of Pride. For now, though, there's just about time for me to say a very big thank you to all of our guests, to Ben Shepherd, to Huey and to Freddie, to our friends at TSB, the lovely JK, and of course you. We would absolutely love to know what you think of this and all of our podcasts via any of our Pride of Britain social media channels. So please do let us know. Thank you. That's all for today. We'll be back soon with more extraordinary people the Pride of Britain.